Hi, we are Joel and Lauren Lowry, and this is our podcast, Wholehearted with the Lowrys. Our passion is to see people step into their destiny through discovering how good God really is and what it looks like to live in His love and purpose. We invite you to join us as we talk about life and leadership and how to live a wholehearted life. Hey, welcome to Wholehearted with the Lowrys. This is episode two, and we are talking about the way of love. Yeah. So let's just dive in. Let's go. <laughs> uh, so early on in marriage, uh, you know, we got married young. We were 22 and um, had only been out of our house, our parents' houses for a few years and trying to figure out life. A few days for a you. A few days. <laughs> so we're like, all right, let's just, let's do this thing. And so, you know, once you get married, you think, oh, wow, like we're going to like fulfill every need in each other, and this is the ultimate experience of love, and... Um, It'll just work perfectly. It's going to work perfectly, and, you know, once... No no assembly required. Right, right. And I married the perfect guy, and so, like, he should perfectly know how to love me. Um, And so after... A while of being married, we a few weeks, a few weeks in actually, actually the uh, first day after our honeymoon, <laughs> where he got sick on our honeymoon. Yeah, he got sick on our honeymoon, and I told him, "You are ruining <laughs> my honeymoon." Um, I had what is it, hand, foot, and mouth disease? Yeah, I had like thirty sores. Let's not call in it disease. Mouth. Let's call it virus. Virus. I had a virus. Virus. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and, not disease. So I had like a hundred and something fever and sores all in my mouth for uh, our whole honeymoon. Started feeling sick on the airplane there, started feeling better on the airplane back. Yeah, and so I told him, you are ruining my honeymoon um, because at the time I had um, a poverty mentality of thinking, this is my one and only honeymoon and it has to be perfect and it has to to perfectly capture these things and have these memories because I'm never going to get another honeymoon again or an experience like this and it has to be perfect. And so I became angry and selfish because he was ruining it. Um, <laughs> and so, so I, and I, and I, you know, I think that exposed, you know, we live life that way. Like, this is the one chance that we get to to do this whatever thing, and this person is ruining it for mm-hmm. me, and so we become angry and resentful. But I think early on in marriage, I um, I wanted Joel to love me a certain way, you know. I, and I think girls, women especially, say, um, you know, if you love me, then you would know how to love me. And I shouldn't have to tell you how to love me because if you really love me, then you would know me. And then if you knew me, you would know how to love me. And you would do the things that hit the target in my heart every time. Um, And because I wrestled with self-condemnation, which we're going to dive into in another episode, um, I felt bad that I had needs, that that I needed him to comfort me in this way, or I needed him to provide security um, to me in a certain way, or like uh, my greatest need is respect. And so for me, whenever plans get changed without my um, input um, and decisions are made for me, uh, I get I get really offended and feel really disrespected and unloved. And so I I had all these needs. I wasn't aware that I had these needs or I didn't understand why I would just get ticked off all of a sudden and was like, why doesn't he love me or why is he not loving me in this certain way? Um, And I didn't know how to communicate it. And so 
um, as a result, there was disconnection. And it, and it wasn't like in the sense of like, I don't think we should be married or I think this is leading to divorce. But, but just, I think for some people it gets to that place because they don't know how to love each other. Right. And and years of all the uh, – they still have not figured out how to love me. Like they still have not figured out that that thing makes me feel disrespected or whatever. Um, and so as a result, we did feel disconnected. You know, I think – the longer you're in a relationship and the more you don't meet each other's needs, the further the gap becomes yeah. and you become more and more disconnected. And so for us, um, that really is what pushed us into um, just figuring out how to love each other better so that we didn't live disconnected lives. Yeah. And so one of the things we we discovered is that everybody needs to be loved. Now, for me, that was like a newsflash. I did not realize that. I thought that I could just be fine all by myself and not need anything from anybody anytime, and I would just be good. That's called self-reliance. We'll also dive into that in the future. But one of the things that we realized is that we all actually need to be loved, but but we're loved in a unique, particular kind of way. And so the framework that we were introduced to is this idea of top 10 relational needs. And the, and the idea is this, is that we all receive love. It's like there's a room that's called love and it has these 10 doors. It's kind of like, like love languages, but a little bit more nuanced. There's like these 10 doors that give you access into this room of, of love where you feel fully loved and, and we're all wired a bit differently. So we get into that room really kind of through some different doors. Now, each one of these needs, uh, unless you have tr- some specific trauma, each one of these needs will uh, allow you to feel loved, uh, but probably to a varying degree depending on your wiring. And so most people um, love acceptance. Some people have a high need for acceptance. Other people have a low need for acceptance, but they're not wounded by uh, acceptance or security. Um, and so, um, yeah, so we all have needs and it's really God's design for us that we would uh, live love, you know, live loved. Um, in the very beginning in Genesis 1, we see that God existed uh, in in uh, three persons, yet one God, the Trinity, and they were in this, the early church fathers called it like this overflowing, re- reciprocating uh, circle of love, this divine dance. And so it's like they actually created us not out of need to be worshiped, um, but actually out of the overflow of their love. Um, and they, they, they really, uh, I've heard it described this way, they invited us into the circle of their love, like that we were invited uh, to, to be loved. And one of the things, phrases that shaped my life is that you can't give what you haven't received. And so uh, this reality is, is that if we want to love well, we've got to receive love. And when we understand design and purpose and some of the stuff we talked about last time around kingdom calling, we begin to recognize God really is the source of love for us. And so Lauren's not my source. She's actually just a resource, a way that God uh, flows his love to me, but we all have needs. So here's the the top 10 relational needs. We'll probably define these uh, a bit uh, in the future, um, but we'll we'll just share what they are and then what ours are. So uh, the top 10, acceptance, attention, approval, comfort, encouragement, security, respect, appreciation, support, and affection. And so you're going to have a few of those. Some of those are going to be higher for you, um, maybe in seasons. What I discovered in my journey is that um, as a, the more whole that I've gotten, they've changed a little bit, but there's been a couple that have stayed the same. Like for me, respect and approval are, are central uh, to how I'm wired. But the more responsibility 
that I've taken on, uh, the more I need support because that just helps me step into what God's called me to. And so some uh, other areas like encouragement have actually dropped um, just as I've uh, healed, but also as I've changed seasons. What, what are your top Yeah. Um, well, early on in marriage, one of my high ones was security. And, and you know, I think being newly married and uh, this whole new lifestyle um, was one of my high ones. And, and as our love has grown and as the security of our relationship has increased, that need has decreased. But I think my two um, top ones that stay consistent through uh, marriage and having kids and starting businesses and starting a church, everything has been respect and attention are my two top ones. Um, And so, like I said earlier, respect is not uh, necessarily like that I am in charge all the time or that I hold these positions of like high authority, but that it really is... Um, that my needs are considered and um, and that my opinion is considered. So that if we're going to change plans, if we're going to invite people spontaneously over for dinner, that it's not just dropped on me, but that Joel actually says, hey, I'd like to invite some people over for dinner. What do you think? And I need a little bit of a, okay, well, that was not a part of my plan. And I had the 10 next steps of my life planned out today. And now I'm going to have to rethink all of it and adjust it. And and then I eventually arrive there, but it just takes a little bit of like stepping back and going, yeah. okay. So we learned that like, if he changed plans really quickly on me, I felt really disrespected. And and even if he says like, what do you think about doing this? And I'm like, I don't really think we should do that. We don't always have to go with my my idea or my opinion, but just I think that my opinion is considered. Yep. Um, and then attention. And I, I think um, for women, it's often been communicated that you should not want attention or need attention. Or if you do pursue attention, that all these labels and assumptions are made about you. And so, but for me, uh, like, early on in marriage, attention for me was if we're in a room of people, um, I want him to come over and just put his arm around me and say, hey, how are you? Um, I just do you want, need anything? Do or... you need anything? I just want you to know that in this whole room of people, you still are the only one that I see as the most important person. Um, but that doesn't mean that I'm talking to you necessarily the whole time or even with you the whole time. No. But even to look across the room and make eye contact and just know, hey, I haven't forgotten about you. You're right. left behind. Yeah. So to meet my need for attention doesn't mean that I'm the one standing on the table, dancing, getting the attention of everyone in the room, but that the most important relationships really do communicate to me. I see you. I know you. You're valued. Um, and I want, to, I want to spend time with you. Yep. So we've all, we've all got needs. That's a newsflash. Maybe you're like me and you're like, oh, I didn't know I had needs. Um, and and it's, it's a part of how we're designed um, in fact, years ago, I was hanging out with my good friend, Ayo. Um, we met uh, in my days in England, and uh, just one of my best friends and really a guy that God has used to kindly shape my life. So we were uh, going uh, to my brother's house. We were going to grill out. Um, he is visiting from England. And, uh, and so we go into the grocery store and buy a bunch of steak and some, some other sides and stuff. And uh, I, a medical professional, I'm sure made way more money than me. I, like, real quick uh, pay for the food, and then I get, like, the five or six bags and put them on my arms. I was huge. He's, like, twice my size. In fact, we wrestled uh, a handful of times, and one time we wrestled, and he hurt my back um, just 
playing around and it took me like a year to recover. This guy's like super strong. In fact, he stopped working out because he had that uh, experience with a few other friends. Um, and so I was this big guy. He's like, hey, let me carry those. And I said, no, it's okay. I've got this. And so I carried the groceries out. Um, we get to the door. He says, hey, let me carry those. And I said, no, it's okay. I've got this. We finally make it about halfway to the car in the parking lot. And he says to me, hey, Joel, would you let me carry those? I said, no, it's okay. I've got that. And then he said this to me. It was life-changing. He said, Joel, if you don't let me serve you, then you don't let me love you. And uh, I was like, like just, it was one of those like epiphany, like God is speaking kind of moments. And I realized uh, that it was way bigger than carrying groceries. In fact, he was uh, speaking into like the core of my life. And, and God was using him uh, really to speak into that place of self-reliance where it's like, if I have any needs, uh, I don't have any needs, but if I do, I'll meet them myself. Um, and so that's kind of how I was living. And I realized, well, I need uh, to let people in, to let people uh, love me. I was actually designed for that. And it's not a burden to let people love you. And that was transformative for me. It took several years to begin to really dig into what all of that meant and how uh, I could let people love me and not live mm-hmm. in self-reliance. Um, so so we've all got these needs. And, and one of the things that I realized in life and kind of in pastoring people through uh, addiction, stronghold, difficult stuff, sin patterns, all that stuff, is that that sin is meeting a legitimate need illegitimately. And so most of the dysfunction in our life uh, actually stems from the pursuit of uh, a meeting a legitimate need, but it's taking it into our own hands and doing it in a way that's illegitimate, that's perverted, that's twisted, that's not how you were designed to live. And so really a, a lot of the counsel of scripture is telling us what it looks like to live healthy lives and to live loved, to live full of love um, inside of the boundaries of God's design for us. And so it's not that God's mean, that he's angry, that he's trying to uh, control us or restrict us or keep us from having fun. He's actually guarding the way of love, the the way of life, so that uh, we can live full of his love and then reflect it to the world around us. And so um, that's really, uh, for me, was a... uh, was a just a paradigm shifting view that sin really is meeting a uh, legitimate need illegitimately. It's like the guy or, or girl struggling with pornography. It's like, man, they just need um, probably some acceptance, definitely um, some uh, affection, maybe some comfort. And in, instead of trusting God and living out His design, they they go down uh, their own road of uh, illegitimate pursuit, and it uh, ends up to be. Um, in a lot of ways, uh, an illusion, because uh, it leaves you feeling more alone and empty. Uh, and then it's a trap because it tends uh, to stem into addiction and all sorts of dysfunction, and it creates weird, uh, <laughs> weird places, uh, r- weird dynamics in your relationships and how you pursue people. And now you begin to over-sexualize, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so I think it's really key that we. Uh, First, understand, hey, it's okay that I have needs, and then that there's actually a healthy way and an unhealthy way to get my needs met. And mm-hmm. and when I live out this way of love, this this pathway that God's designed for me, there's a way that relationships work, that that family, that marriage, that teams, that friendships, all of that stuff uh, begins to flow in a certain direction um, that builds each other uh, up and cares for each other well, and even allows each other to step fully into kingdom calling and purpose and God's design. Yeah. Yeah, I think for us, just um, having that paradigm 
in pastoring has been huge. And and so I think oftentimes, you know, leading a church or doing ministry, it's sin management, it's stop doing that, you know, and if you don't stop doing that, then you're off the team or we're you're we're gonna bench you or um or whatever. And so having that that perspective of, you know, whenever hard news comes to us of someone that's stuck in sin or wrestling with sin. Um, and doing damage to people, right? And doing sin does, just is destructive. Right, right. Um, we can have the perspective of that this is actually not fatal. This is not that there, we can actually have hope for people because we recognize, oh, well, that is actually just a symptom of an underlying need that they are trying to get met. And so if we can help that person identify in their lives where that need is and why it's not being met healthily or where the breakdown happened or where the trauma happened or um, is this just a pattern that you've learned? Is this how your family has always, you know, had this need met? Um, But helping them identify that then heals the broken part, and it, and it, and it and it and it stops the sin because then, if we can identify what the need is, then we can also help them identify how to get that need met healthily, and that is through healthy communication. It's through letting that God be the source of our you know meeting our needs, um, and and first going to God to be the source of the need meter, to be our need meter, and mm-hmm. then to go to people. Um, one of the things that Scripture says is that anything that doesn't come from faith is sin. And here's how that applies to what we're talking about. Faith recognizes God as the source, and and so anything lived outside of that place of faith, or I consider faith not just like this like self-mustered-up belief, but it really is a relational word. It's like when I begin to really trust God that He's my source, for life, for peace, for joy, for righteousness, all of those things, then what what flows out of that is now um, healthy and full of life. And so uh, anything that doesn't come from faith uh, is sin. It's because when I disconnect from faith and start trying to figure out everything on my own, um, it will always lead me into a trap. It will put me in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil instead of the tree of life. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's good. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Hey, you want to talk to us about the baseball diamond? Yeah. So the baseball diamond is if you are on our team, um, then or done premarital counseling, done premarital counseling with us, marriage counseling, any kind of. If you hung out with us for more than about ten minutes, you are going to hear about the baseball diamond, and um, and this actually really has so shaped our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the idea of the baseball diamond is that um, relationship travels around, um, or healthy relationship should travel around uh, something that looks similar to a baseball diamond. And so our goal in life and in relationships is to be creative and connected. That's home plate. Um, and that's where we all want to live. Like, I want to live in my marriage, creative and connected. I want to live with my kids, creative and connected. I want any organization I lead, that the the dynamics of that relationship would be creative, creative and, and connected. connected. Yeah, and I would say, so So connection really is like, I think, the fullness of love. It's like what Jesus prays in John 17, that they would be one, uh, even as you and I, Father, are one, it's that, it's that place. And then, and then creative is, is really one. It's expressing who God's designed you to be um, uniquely, but even in collaboration with each other. Uh, and then it's also 
um, doing what's never been done before. I feel like that God has things in his heart that he's created for humanity to experience and to live in that haven't been done before. And one of the things, my one of my life goals is to do uh, what hasn't been done before, to create what hasn't been created before. And I realized this, I'm not so brilliant or creative on my own that I'm going to step into that. But I do think this, that in, in the midst of collaboration, of connection, that possibly a, a group of people that I run with uh, really, um, the the phrase I picked up from some from some folks that have really impacted my life, this church in Waco called Antioch, was was that we would be glorious comrades, and that's really what I want is people that are like lifelong uh, running buddies that we're not just uh, a bunch of uh, like the show friends sitting on the couch drinking coffee, coffee, trading partners, sleeping together, that kind of thing, which church kind of becomes sometimes. But actually, that we'd be uh, like the fellowship on Lord of the Rings, that we would maybe all be different, but we'd bring who we uniquely are to do uh, what would be impossible for any one of us to do. And so I think that's in a, in a large part for me what it means to be uh, creative and connected. Right. And so... Our desire is to be in that place, and often we try um, to to bypass just the relational path to get there, or we desire to get there, and and we start in relationship, and we come up against these roadblocks and these constraints that we have in relationship, these unhealthy ways of doing relationship, and we we just jump ship, and we're like, well, this is never going to work because I want to be creative and connected, but I keep up keep bumping up against these certain things in relationship. I'm sure you can relate. Yeah, and so most people live life and do relationship at like the lowest common denominator. It's like, what's the low bar that we can still get along, that we can still kind of coexist with? In fact, uh, Mike, the guy that married me, he, he was talking to a guy named Dan Allender, uh, who is like a like relationship uh, counseling uh, guru, the, the folks, the guy that a lot of people uh, in the Christian world. Uh, will quietly go to like Christian celebrity kind of folks when their world's falling apart. Uh, brilliant guy. And Dan said, I could count on my uh, on one hand the number of healthy relationships mm-hmm. that I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's because people don't know how uh, to live out this way of love, really kind of uh, what we would talk about in the baseball diamond. Yeah. 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 Mike, you said Mike married you. What? <laughs> you said the guy that married me. <laughs> You're done. You're done. You said Mike, the guy that married me. Mentored me. Mentored. I probably just mumbled, but maybe I said married. I don't know. I meant to say mentored me. I did not marry Mike. I like Mike, uh, but not that way. (laughs) Maybe I heard married, but you said mentored. (laughs) Just for the record, Mike, that mentored him. Um, So, so. So we have to take these certain steps in order to get to healthy relationship. And so the first uh, step in that, the first base is to know and care for someone. Um, and that sounds like I care about you. Um, and so like I, I've observed the way that you live life, what your relational needs are. Not necessarily I had you take a test to tell me what they are, but I realized, hey, this is meaningful. When you get encouraged, you light up or when you uh, have some, some appropriate affection then it, then it actually does something for you. It, it, it increases connection. Right. So when you come into relationship, a new relationship, or if you're pastoring, um, what you want to do is know and care that per- know and care for that person before you ever try to get on to accomplishing anything. And this is where I don't know if you've ever worked in a school project or a team dynamic and you have to accomplish something together, and there is massive fallout and there's 
break down and people get hurt and feel disrespected and it's horrible. Group projects are horrible. But if you can enter into that group project or whatever you've been assigned to and uh, and attempt to know and care for everyone first, college students, think about this next time you're putting a a group assignment. What are their strengths, their capabilities? So passions, how how does all of that stuff flow together? Right. How can I know and care for these people in an appropriate way, you know, with your classmates? So college students, if you can, um, or anyone working in a group, can figure out how to know and care um, from the onset, then you'll be set up for greater accomplishment down the road. Um, And so uh, say you uh, just met a new person and you want to be friends and they're talking about uh, maybe something hard that went on in their life, Uh, what you don't want to do is bypass them saying, yeah, that was a really hard experience or I've had a really hard day or... Whatever you do, don't story top and don't try to relate to how you've had it harder. Right, yeah. If someone's saying like, my boss is such a jerk and they don't, you know honor me or recognize the hard work that I do, what you don't want to do is say, well, yeah, I know today at work, my boss was a jerk too, and then turn the story back on you. (laughs) So the way you appropriately know and care is you're quiet and you say, oh man, that sounds really hard. Do you want to tell me more? Yep. Or I'm so sorry that happened to you. I can imagine that made you feel isolated or disrespected or whatever you imagine it would make you feel um, and and say, I'm so sorry you're walking through that. You know, can I can I pray for you? Do you what do you need? Um, and what you don't want to do is start to just give solutions automatically to their problem by saying, Well, you know what, you should quit or you should go in there and demand a raise or whatever. Yeah. In fact, what I would say is uh, when people are telling you difficult stuff, you uh, don't try to bring a solution. That's probably a second conversation. Um, and one of the things I, I did learn from Mike, who didn't marry me but mentored me, <laughs> one of the things I learned from Mike was uh, he, his sons uh, are – well, Mike is incredible. He's a sought-out um, like guy for uh, starting nonprofits and bringing wisdom and helping organizations be healthy and all that stuff. Serves on high-level boards, all that – and, and so Mike's this like gift of wisdom and understanding, and yet when his sons come to him with a problem, uh, he just listens to their problem. And then um, after he's listened and, and cared um, and had some curiosity, then he'll ask, hey, um, could I give you some feedback on that? And his sons have the freedom to say, yes, you can, or no, dad, I'm not really interested in right, that right now. I just wanted you to know. And he's not offended, um, and it actually protects the relationship. And so uh, when somebody's sharing information with you, it doesn't mean that they want you to solve the problem. And probably the best way to get there is, hey, could I share some feedback with you? Or I have an idea on that or may, may uh, see something there. And then give them the freedom to say yes or no. Um, because healthy relationships operate in freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So then after you have known and cared for someone, um, then that builds the foundation to to move on to the next base, second base, which is serving and trusting each other. Um, and so um, that really gives the opportunity whenever you're on second base with someone to uh, offer 
um, yourself, offer your service to them, and then the opportunity for them to to trust you with that. Um, and as we serve and trust each other, or as we serve each other, that trust is built. Um, and so that's just really where integrity comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, where when I say that I'm going to do something, I, I I follow through on it, and I I do what I can to to continue to build trust yeah. with you. And, and second base obviously builds on first base because nobody is going. Uh, to trust somebody that doesn't care about them. In fact, uh, I think that's a key to life. It's like, uh, I don't really care what you know until I know that you care. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's central that, that these things build. Yeah, yeah. And so um, what it sounds like um, on second base is I trust you. Um, that you know That's the desired outcome of uh, uh, I, I, I know and I care for you. I know that you know and care for me and and. We have this reciprocating um, dynamic where we serve each other and we trust each other. Um, And so then building on that uh, goes to third base, which is support and accomplish. Um, And and a lot of people would think, well, that is home base. Like, if we can support and accomplish something together, um, then that's that's a huge win. Um, But honestly, relationship could need deserves to be lived at a deeper level. Yeah, that's just that's just functional. Right, right. Um, and so uh, on support and accomplish, it sounds like I need you. And so um, we uh, we work together to accomplish things. Um, we support each other in our efforts. Um, yeah. and, and we say to each other, I, I, I really need you in, yeah. in this area. And I think once you, you know and care, so it's like I, I've begin to know who you are, what your kingdom calling is, how you're wired, all of those things, what, what makes you come alive. And then I built trust. And now I know actually where I need you so that I know what you effectively bring and what I effectively bring and how we can support each other and, and begin to accomplish together. And so a part of it is is actually really practical that um, if I know, uh, if I care about you, if I uh, trust you, then I can actually say I need you and that not be used against me. It's not leveraged against me, um, but instead it's this place uh, that that really begins to move uh, to, to home plate. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it really is about uh, being creative and connected. And what we found is whenever there's a breakdown on, um, say there's a breakdown on second base where um, where we can't serve and trust each other, it's likely that there has been um, uh, a breakdown on the knowing and caring part of the yep. of the relationship. And so um, if we can't serve and trust each other, then we need to go back to first base and, and figure out, okay, how do we need to know and care for each other more um, so that we have that to build on so that we can serve and trust each other? Yep. Um, or if why can't we accomplish anything together? Or why is there a breakdown? Well, maybe we need to go back to um, there was a breakdown whenever we were trying to serve each other and there was trust broken. Um, and so now we can't get anything done because we don't trust each other. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the things, whether it's your marriage and family or if it's maybe a team that you're on or leading, anytime you bring in a, a new dynamic, like a new teammate, a new kid, then you go back to knowing and caring. Also, anytime there's a, a traumatic event, then you you start back over. It's like in the middle of, of COVID, like we all experienced a bit of trauma, right? So if we don't uh, go back and emphasize knowing and caring, which looks like curiosity most of the time, mm-hmm. it's asking that next question uh, that lets somebody uh, really express what their heart is. Um, as we do that, what happens is, is that it reinforces those things that allow us to move forward. It's like when we had... Uh, 
our, our firstborn, uh, Eliza, I had two weeks off. And so I took those two weeks off and then I jumped in probably harder than ever into work. Um, and it left Lauren really just kind of alone and abandoned, but we had actually had this, uh, life-changing dynamic shift that I uh, was ignoring. And so I didn't keep my curiosity on. It was several months later um, that I realized what what I was doing and needed to change that. But I, I didn't express uh, that curiosity for how she was, how she was doing, how we were doing, uh, all those dynamics of, uh, of life that had changed. I had just kind of gone headfirst into it. And so when there's dramatic change, keep your curiosity on. It will keep you out of uh, trouble, out of relational breakdown. Mm-hmm. And that was really an opportunity for me to grow in my ability to share my needs. Um, And I was discovering with a newborn just new needs that I didn't have before, Um, but just really being in tune with, okay, why am I feeling this way? Why? I mean, I'm exhausted. I, you know, I have this life that's dependent on me, Um, but really communicating to him, I really need support in this time. Like, I really need you present. I need you to come home. Right after work, and relieve me of this responsibility. Um, and so, in that season, we really grew in our ability to communicate our needs. Mm-hmm. So, as we wind down uh, this second episode of Wholehearted with the Lowrys, let me give you uh, a, a really simple assignment, some some homework. Why don't you and uh, pick two or three relationships and just keep your curiosity on? Ask them how they're doing. Um, ask some like second and third. Uh, layer questions like they say, "Hey, I'm doing really great. W- w- why are you doing great? What's what's going on in your life?" Or, or um, if they're not doing well, say, "Okay, w- w- what's going on? Um, how how did that affect you?" Or maybe uh, you're experiencing a little bit of relational tension, and instead of avoiding it, what if you dove into it and said, "Hey, I realize we're not doing uh, maybe as well as we once were. I mean, I really care about you. I value you, um, and uh, and so, w- what do you think's going on? How could I?" support you better? How could I come alongside you better? Uh, those kind of things. And that the humility of curiosity uh, is transformative in relationships. Actually, as I'm saying this, thinking of a couple of relationships that I need to up my curiosity in um, so that uh, we could maybe go back to uh, running together like we once were. Yeah. So thanks for joining us on this episode, and we can't wait to be with you again. 